Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm your host, Nina. I'm your other host, Letha. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 5. Sorry, Episode 4. Who am I? Downward Spiral. You're going into a downward spiral, my, my friend. <laughs> Netflix synopsis, Johnny and Carmen's romance flies high while Daniel and Amanda are rattled by Terry's schemes. The teens feud spill over at the water park. Oh, spill over. Get it? Because uh, it's water. It. And Did you write this? There's at least one good pun in this episode. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Um, so we start the episode with the little dream montage. And whose mon- who's dream sequence did you think we were in? I kind of knew it was Carmen's. Like, there was really? something... Because... God, I'm such a nerd. Um, but in a previous season, she mentions being, like, a huge fan of Top Gun and, like, Tom Cruise's character in Top Gun and that she had a huge crush on him. And then we see, like, Johnny basically in the Cruise role in Top Gun, like, playing that volleyball game and all that. Like, and I just knew, like, this is Carmen's dream. They're letting her have, like, a dream sequence of her own. Do you find it depressing that even in her own dream sequence, she's on the sidelines? Yeah, I like, mean... on her own life? I know, just like watching is like her son and Johnny like play volleyball. Yeah, um, that's as exciting as it gets for Carmen. I know. I mean, it's a little like, yeah, I agree with you. The man wrote this. A little, yeah, no, I see that. But it's more personality than Carmen's usually allowed to have. I so I was impressed by that. And like, I do like that her fantasy is like, oh man, like, I mean, and it's like, the dream at least sort of establishes, like, what she sees in Johnny, which, as much as I like Johnny as a character, I've always kind of wondered. It's like, oh, you know, he's like, he's that guy wearing the leather jacket and driving a motorcycle and with a baby in the sling. What do you think Carmen was like in high school? Hard to say, right? Like, yeah, I mean, do you feel like all that 80s montage stuff, did she kind of, did she sort of buy into it when she started dating Johnny, or do you feel like she was... I think she came by it, honestly. Okay. If only because, like, her feelings about Top Gun are, like, so the opposite of Johnny's feelings, where he's like, Iceman's the hero of Top Gun, man. That <laughs> I think I think that she has her own genuine, very different appreciation for some parts of 80s culture. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, fine. Maybe every few episodes they can remind us that, you know, they have a real relationship. They talk about Kafka after hours. Oh, yeah, all the time, I'm sure. Yeah, what are they not talking but about? But it's, it's a nice scene where, like, she wakes up and she's like... And you know, oh, it was her dream all along. And, you know, she gets to describe her dream to Johnny. And I think it's like, I think it it does kind of establish that, like, she's really into the idea that Johnny is like, you know, kind of like a tough maverick sort of guy, but also a good father, as she's seen with Miguel and like, I mean, not really his own kid, but, you know, with her kid and hopefully this baby. How long have they been together? Uh, shit, like a year? Okay. Less? No, wait, I don't know. That's probably like a huge overestimate. I don't know. It's hard to say how time works on this show. Time is a flat circle in Cobra Kai. Yeah. Um, okay, so Johnny is feeling, do you feel like his, he's now more in responsible parent mode? Yeah, I really um, like Johnny's plot in this episode, yeah. actually, because it's like, uh, Shannon comes over. Shannon, if you don't remember, is uh, Mar- Robbie's mother and his ex-girlfriend, and you know, we don't really get a lot of Shannon uh, Johnny interaction, but I really, I really liked this scene. Like, did you catch the fact that she says Robbie is going to be spending the summer with his, her parents at Bainbridge Island, so they're wealthy grandparents. Robbie has had wealthy grandparents all along. Time. Are you kidding and me? They let yeah. him sleep at the back of the fucking dojo. Yeah, right. This actually is one of those little like tidbits that makes no sense. It's like, wait, 
So when like Shannon was in rehab, the only option was for Robbie to stay with the LaRussos. When Shannon went to Cabo with Rick and the like, there was no water or power. Yeah, like none of that makes any sense. Like maybe Shannon just recently reconciled with her parents. Like there's a whole other subplot there, right? That's one line of conduct that would have explained it. But it's like, why aren't your parents paying for your rehab? What? I know, I know why. I got it. Shannon is actually Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls. Um, she has been on the outs with her parents ever since getting pregnant as a teenager with Robbie, and she is only now reconciled with them, and they have weird, awkward family dinners with her, her parents. But she's ready to let the money flow. Right. It's I'm totally... Sure what Shannon is doing for work. I'm not sure either. She looks pretty squared away when she's, like, talking to, to Johnny, and um, I really do like their dynamic because, like, sometimes you... You know, sometimes we think about, like, you know, Johnny was, like, a mess and a shitty father. And then you're sort of reminded that although Shannon is apparently reconciled with her parents, probably in Connecticut, and um, is, like, kind of looking like she's, like, put together in the scene, Shannon was kind of a shitty mom, too. And so, like, yeah. She, yeah. They were both around the same age. So right. It's like, they were both can't... young and dumb. And, like, so when, when Johnny's, like, when she sees the apartment and evidence that Johnny's getting his life together... She predicts that he has knocked up Carmen, but she's not particularly, like, angry or upset about it. She actually wants to be helpful, because I think she got her life together recently and and wants the same for him. Yeah. I'm just curious how much collective time Robbie has spent with either one of his parents since birth. Yeah, right? Like, because they've both sort of been in and out a bit. I mean, he had these rich grandparents that apparently nobody ever knew about. I mean, he may have spent more time just with Crease. (laughs) Like, think about all those hours. Reese is everyone's father that they never had, isn't he? Um, it would have been nice to see Robbie sort of struggle with that when he actually takes into account who he formed a bond with. Like, maybe Kreese is a weird uncle. He was there, man. I mean, honestly, and the show has almost forgotten this, I think Daniel LaRusso is his real fake father. Yeah, until he was callously dumb. Oh, you were too... I mean... He was evicted. He was not evicted. He was, essentially. What? When? I feel like at some point Daniel realized like he wasn't getting a return on his investment. Oh my god, you feel like he was spiritually evicted. In fact, if you recall, the falling out between Daniel and Robbie happened because like I think that like Robbie Sam got drunk. No, 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 that wasn't the falling out. Like that was that things were forgiven after that. But what happened is that uh Robbie, like, was on the run and didn't want to be, like, after he, like, paralyzed Miguel. And, like, Daniel was, like, looking for him, looking out for him. And Daniel, like, called, like, Juvie and was like, hey, I think you got to pick up this kid because, what, was, was, like, Robbie going to be a fugitive for the rest of his life? He had to go to Juvie eventually. Like, that's just practical. I'm mad that we were robbed of that (laughs) storyline. That would have been hilarious. Like, it's just five seasons of Robbie on the run, like living in West Virginia or something. Yeah. This season, he goes to Mexico. <laughs> I mean, he does, but... You know what Robbie should do? He should go back, befriend Hector Salazar, and steal Miguel's dad. Oh my god, that would be delicious. Right? Yes. Wish that would be the true kind of batshitness this show needs. So we've gotten off of Johnny for okay, a bit. fine. But essentially, um, Shannon's like... You should try the gig economy uh, and, you know, being a Lyft driver or an Uber driver, uh, Uber Eats driver. And, you know, not a bad idea for the guy. Yeah. Uh, he's just now getting a phone? He had like a like a flip phone, right? Okay. Okay. I think. Wait, yeah. didn't he throw that one into the ocean like when he, he like yeah, found out actually, Miguel had been in so the hospital? So he's been sort of... Has he been phoneless this entire time? 
Yeah. I really don't know. That's actually quite shocking. Yeah. Um, well, he's got one now. Dimitri sets maybe him up with it. He feels like he doesn't need one because he's already like conceded and gotten a computer at home. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how many te- technological te- tethers does like one man you know need? What I want to see, I want to see Johnny get a job at a startup. <laughs> right? He'd be like the chief keeping it real officer. He's throwing out terms like synergy. <laughs> And he's collecting a paycheck. I mean, he's made some big strides this season. I'm waiting next season. I feel yeah. it. I feel yeah. it. Uh, but he does get his, he gets like an actual smartphone, um, get like a montage. What do you think of the montage? Um, of him doing various Lyft-esque. Yeah, I thought it was great. In fact, that was probably my favorite montage. Is like any Johnny montage where he's pissing off customers is great. It reminded me of that first episode when we're introduced to him, sort of like, installing a tv or something and getting into it with with that customer people yeah yeah i mean Um, actually that was one thing i like when he's like shit how am i gonna make money because like the impetus for all this is like you know he wants to be there and take care of his new baby and his family etc like i kind of wondered like don't construction workers like make a fair amount of money was he a construction worker or like was he just kind of like a handyman i don't know i mean i think actually construction would probably be a good like you have a little bit of autonomy, you work outside, you don't right. need or to rely he, on technology. Yeah. And like he I kinda thought that he knew like a fair bit about like contracting work and stuff, like when he was helping to build Miyagi Do and he like takes Daniel to task for like making people like sand the floor constantly. You know what? We need to have a career consultant with him because he's he's got a lot of skills. Right. And he doesn't actually need to be in the shitty gig economy. Yeah. A lot better for him. I know. I'm like I, I did really like I like the montage, you know, it's fun. He's like such so terrible at customer service, which has all been well established. But like um I like the little, like, denouement of this whole thing, which is, like, when you see the pawn shop owner, and you know I love when tertiary characters keep because appearing. Because it's, like, there's a sweetness to this interaction. Like, they're not friends. Pawn shop guy says he wants nothing to do with them. I could easily... They're, like, they are both got kids. They are both kind of hate their jobs. Yeah. They've now, like, you know, they're bringing each other food. And even <laughs> I mean... Pawn shop guy offers... Pawn shop guy did... Whole, yeah, did actually order taquito. the food. That's, that's like... That's, yeah. that's really nice of him, especially because Johnny's kind of a dick all the time. But, like, you know, he sees that Johnny's, like, not doing so well, offers him that cold taquito, offers him some great life advice that... It reminds me sort of, like, how... Again, I'm always, like, lifting up the first season of this show so much. But, like, the first season sort of had interesting lessons about things that weren't necessarily, like, your garden variety lessons. You know, like, I remember, like, the anti-bullying lesson of, of, first, of the first season isn't necessarily, like, you know, you've got to, like, tell adults and turn your back on bullying, but that sometimes you got to, like, stand up for yourself. I feel like this was, like, in the same way most, like, what the pawn shop guy says is, most people hate their jobs, yeah. but you do them because there are other things that you care about and you need the money. And like, I think that's a really nice lesson that does not get told on television very much. It's also interesting because it's like, Johnny is like probably 50, mm-hmm. more than that maybe. And it's taken him all this time and it's because he hasn't cared about anything. Right. Like, not even Robbie guys, am I right? Oh. Um, like, it's just with the brand new shiny newborn on the way and Miguel's recent entry that he was like, maybe I should be making some money to provide. Right. And he, So Robbie doesn't have to sleep, you know. Yet again in another like van or dojo or something. And he gets a nice little conversation with, uh, with like Shannon afterwards where you just, like, what does he say? I'm sorry, I shucked, I sucked Shannon, which is like, 
Maybe yeah. all anybody ever wants to hear from yeah, anyone. Yeah, that's like, you know, every think of every person that's wronged you. I just want them to say that. I'm to sorry me, I sucked. I would have forgiven them. Yeah, it's like that nice acknowledgement that, like, sometimes you just suck. Sometimes, and he mentions, like, he used to quit jobs because he didn't like them, which plenty, like, that's a thing that plenty of people do. And, I mean, I actually think that, like, it's sort of toxic how society is sort of, like, Somewhere out there is your dream job. Yeah. And you just need to find it and you'll never work another day in your life. And I think it's like more accurate that, you know, look, my dream job would probably be the sleeping. The saying that are people that exploit other people's work. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes you just have to acknowledge that like work can suck. It's okay. You just Do keep doing it. the thing that irritates you the least. Yeah. Which I think on Johnny's case would probably not be Uber driving, but yeah, whatever. You know. jobs. Yeah, probably not. Unless they're under eighteen, that sounds bad. Oh my god! Okay. Seriously, I mean, yeah. Like, I also like think there's a little glimpse into his finances where, like, Shannon doesn't know that he, you know, no longer runs Cobra Kai, and says like, "Oh, I guess a part-time sensei, sensei salary isn't really gonna buy a house with a yard." And then I started wondering, like, how much did he make as a part-time sensei? Like, how much does anybody make? That apartment is pretty shitty, but... He's still paying the rent, right? He's still paying the rent. How's he paying the rent now? I don't know, because Carmen's a nurse, and granted, she has... But they don't live together. Yeah, but she lives in the same complex, so I assume they're probably paying similar rent. But she's also, like, you know, taking care of Miguel and her mom, so Mm -hmm. she's got more dependents. I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, hard to say exactly what everybody's finances are, but I wonder. I still do. I like it whenever, like, you know, like, when Johnny was trying to rent out a studio for Eagle Fang? I like the mentions of, like, you know, basic economics. It sort of grounds everything. Right. I mean, but we still whatever. have so many questions about that. Um, right. So, did we cover it? I think um, we got turned to the teens now. Wait. Oh. So, yeah, he, Johnny offers to host Robbie for the summer. And I gotta say, if I were Robbie, I would have been like, I just... You know, I thought I was taking this father-son trip to Mexico. It turned out to be the hunt for Miguel. This is bullshit. And he's even made his peace with that. And now he has the chance to have a cushy summer with his rich grandparents. Uh, a kind of level of comfort he was not previously afforded. And Johnny's like, actually, I'm probably going to fuck this up. But I will offer my cockroach-ridden apartment. It's not cockroach-ridden anymore. He pe- he did he did the pesticide thing montage. I, I saw things in that cleanup mm. montage. You can't forget him. Yeah, I mean nothing that lighthouse photo will cover up. I'm gonna like you know you're allowed crackpot theories. Here's mine. I think I do think that there is a spinoff show that is basically the Gilmore Girls, but you know with Robbie instead of Rory Gilmore. And I think that honestly, Robbie is like I have grandparents. Since when? I think he has issues about that, too, that we're not exploring. Like, what? When When did I get rich grandparents? Why weren't they on the scene before? There was this thing they do, like, on the CW or whatever. Kids, if you're over the age of 25, you remember the CW, WB, The Frog. Anyway, they had a bunch of teen shows. And if it was even a little bit popular... They would take the most popular character and they give them a spinoff. Yep. Yeah. And basically, this is Robbie's spinoff waiting to happen. Yeah. You know, you just watch his hair evolve. By the way, <laughs> Robbie's hair, guys, too much product. What's happening? Yeah, it's back to ridiculous. Nobody in this decade has hair like that hair. But you know what? Robbie, in this episode at least, uh, he, he kind of has some interesting plot, plot Are we points. Are segueing? I think we're piece? segueing. Wasn't okay. that like seamless? Didn't you yeah. feel it? That is seamless. Like the gig. Oh, I have to mention one thing. 
Sorry. And this has to do with teens, too, because Dimitri, of course, is, does the tech service for uh, Johnny and sets him up with a new They're phone. really struggling to find Dimitri a kind of spot. You know, Miyagi-Do is bye-bye, so Dimitri's just like, Dimitri's who just, am I? I know. He he could go through, like, an isolation pod arc, just it's like Sam. for him to just meet a normal high school student with, like, a high school, after-school job yeah. that meets with his skills, like he's part of the nerd squad or whatever. Right, I, I like that. And But what he says when he learns that uh, Johnny wants to set up, like, the Uber and Lyft apps on this phone is, oh, it's good to meet a fellow gigolo. Guys. Get it? Let, it's let, a pun. Let them have this one. So it's a pun! Oh, my God. We're cutting this out. Um, anyway. No, we're not. Um, teens. Teens. Yes. Okay, so we are we go live to the water park. We um, start in like a really icky way, which is a slow pan of Yasmin's body. I honestly don't know what's going on. Where You know how I'm like, is this a nepotism hire? Do they have like, you know, do they owe somebody a favor? Like, why do we see so much of Yasmin? We do see a lot of Yasmin. Um, and I didn't appreciate like the slow like toe to to face creepy, guys. We are supposed to understand that we are seeing it from Anthony's point of view, and he's ogling her. I, I still actually, thought it was kind of unnecessary, though. I don't feel like we need to acknowledge Anthony as a sexual being. Okay, like yeah, like he was MIA. He was a child, and he's still a child and a bully child. Like I don't need to know about his burgeoning. Yeah, and it, it has nothing to do with, it's like, anything gross. else in this episode, so it's a little odd. But anyways... Also, do you wonder why why were all the teens there on the same day at the same time? Is there, like, a field trip? Because like, the water park is the place to be. I mean, I assume it's opening day and everybody and their mother is there. But yes, it's kind of weird that, like, everybody is there all on the same day. Um... You know, water parks are usually open for more than one day a year, but that that's fine. They're yeah. they're all there, they're all hanging. Um God, there's some like really to me like yeah, Miguel and Sam oh. round two thousand. Right. right. Oh, if they're so awkward around each other. If you remember the divorced ex energy of two forty five year olds, you know, just trying to be normal around each other. Miguel just in the last episode drops the octopus necklace to the ground. And cries. Spending, like, maybe six months worth of allowance. I don't know. Um, and Sam is reading her book. Wild. Reading Sh- Cheryl Strain's Wild. It says, it's been nice to focus on myself. Oh, my God. I love, I wrote that to them, too. Like, wow. Uh, getting away from all your pondering about world hunger and, and getting back to you. The cool. navel-gazing of Sam is just... Its own character trait. There's right? no air. There's no room for anything else. I know. And just watching like Sam and Miguel interact, it just uh, you know we you have know, a... it actually makes me think less of Miguel. Yes. Like it it's like, what do you see? And if it's just because you think she's cute and you're willing to have these tedious conversations, because let's face it, she's not reading the book, you don't care about the book. Um, and we've talked about how we wonder what what do what do any of the characters? What do any know? of these couples talk about ever? Yeah. You know, it actually makes sense for like. Well, no, it doesn't. Well, I'm going to say that I understand what Daniel and Amanda talk about because you know that prior to this whole drama, like 80% their of their relationship is- was Amanda dunking on Daniel. Yeah. And I really, like, totally respect that. Yeah. Like, right? Come on. Like, she was like, I'm going to marry this man because I will dunk on him every day of his yeah, life after and this. And she secretly ran over Miyagi. So it was plenty of... <laughs> <laughs> the delicious, Another spinoff, yes. The delicious yes. truth there. Um, 
But, uh, you know, and watching Sam and uh, Miguel interact, you cut then to, like, a scene where Tori and Robbie, like, catch up. And I was just like, man, I like them so much better. I know. I don't feel like putting a pillow over one of their faces. They have, like, a genuine kind of chemistry. They seem like two people who actually like each other. Um, What's weird to me is that that's immediately apparent to us, and they're clearly trying to make Sam and... And Miguel a thing again after killing it and bringing it back. We're we're now seeing the corpse revived again. And Robbie and Tori, we saw a little. They had that cute, you know, scene at the dance. They have like a friendly energy. They make sense, right? Right. We. It's like if we have to be exposed to teen romance, we're not really asking for more of it. It's weird that they would pick the one, the couple with the dankest energy. Right. Like, didn't you guys like pick up on this? Like, I don't know. Like I understand that, like you know, they got together they early don't in the want series. Robbie to have but... nice things. That's what they. Robbie kind of ruins this. I'm on. I'm on Tory's side yeah, a bit I'm in this Tory, whole. For sure. But like when they meet up, like not only do they have a nice energy, they have like this fairly mature conversation about Cobra Kai. Robbie where... is leagues mature. Like I don't know. He's feel... come a long way from like whatever the fuck he was doing two we'll seasons ago. We'll talk a little ago. bit more about what Miguel does in this, but their characterization of him is like really uneven episode to episode do you think so because i feel like he's just like i think like after sometimes it seems like he's checked out he's over this karate bullshit he's ready to go to college and next thing you know he's sitting there starting fights in a parking lot it's like oh miguel you mean yeah oh yeah no miguel yeah i was gonna say like with robbie like i feel like there's a very clear evolution of robbie and like he want like quite reasonably he's like i'm quit i quit cobra kai tori i think you should quit cobra kai too because i think it does bad things which is fair Tori also very very fairly is like, hey, you can quit. That's fine. You do what you want, but don't tell me what to do. Which is also like, and they both like just seem like pretty mature about it. And then they like go on the water slides together. And I was like, oh, that's nice. But of course, Naturally. it can't last just because like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of drama at this water park. A lot of like weird little Cobra Kai, Miyagi-Do, Eagle, Fang, whatever they're calling themselves interactions. Let's um, talk about the the fact that Kyler and Kenny are, like, best friends. Ah, oh, my God. nobody can stand to be around either one of them. They have the same toxic energy. They do not. They have very different types of toxic energy. Thank you. Like, I've often said, okay, everybody here probably knows that I love Kyler. Like, the man, the legend, the mystery. Kenny has, like, an energy of, like, somebody who has been wounded in the past and has been bullied, and he's turning around, and he's given the hurt back. And Honestly, it's terrifying. Yeah. Kyler is... Probably, honestly, like, a worse person, but he bullies because it's fun for him. Like, he has no actual deeper motivations yeah, for it. I don't it. know if... Ke- he's just like Kyler a... was ever bullied. No, he's just like a... Like an agent of chaos, like, blowing in the wind. He'll do whatever. Like, there's a great, great scene where, like, uh, Anthony is, oh like, God, at the water yes. park. <laughs> and, like, Kenny, like, gets up in his face and starts trying to bully him. Anthony's like, "Whoa, I mean, I thought when you punched me in that locker room we were square, but it's clear that Kenny will n- they will never be even ever." And like Kyler's just just like, huh, chode." And Kenny and like Anthony looks at him and is like, "Dude, you've been to my house. You used to date my sister." And Kyler, "I date a lot of sisters." I mean, that's what can a, you how can you argue a with a man line. like that? Yeah, Kenny, you can see the hurt on his face like he's carrying this ancient trauma. I worry that he's going to become like a Daniel who's like you know, you have to deal with all of his trauma first. It's always going to be seventh grade again. It'll right? always be seventh grade for Kenny. I mean, for Kyler, he's just an asshat. 
He's yeah. a simple asshat just being the best asshat he can be. When you watch other people bully other people, you realize that no one can do it as naturally and with as much joy like as Kyler. Like, you have to have fun doing it. Right. Like, Otherwise, yeah. what's the point, you know? Speaking of bullies, where's this little Justin Timberlake-looking dude? Anthony's former, like, yep. boy gang. What happened to them? His boy gang apparently completely dispersed, and he's alone at this water park, unguarded. I don't uh, know. Did we, did we personally bully that kid off the show? I hope so. Man, that kid had no business being a bully. He got a lot of hate, but to be honest, he was miscast. Yeah. And we're Team Anthony on this pod. I don't think we've ever hid that fact. Yeah. I mean, even when he was totally ignored and unloved by his parents, we were like completely Team Anthony. Um, They bully him by sticking a bunch of like life preservers on him and kicking him into the water, which is like... Again, I know, like, I feel like there was a similar scene at like, there's a lot of like pool action, but I've just keep thinking like an old person where I'm like, dude, there's like concrete and somebody could hit their head. Somebody could fall, guys. I mean, yeah. It's like not the greatest venue to bully people with. Uh, Maybe they do need to be in karate because they seem to have like a a lot lot of of aggression. aggression. They don't know how to get it out. Um, There's like, so uh, when they're doing this, like, they, like, I think it's Hawk and um, Tori get in there and they try to broker a peace, which is nice again. Like, the, Yeah, and I know. love Hawk's reaction because he's like, this bullshit again, we're with you, man. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I like that uh, they decide that they're going to, like, s- or they're going to settle things with, like, a water slide race. It makes no sense. Which is, like, actually, like, perfectly encapsulates the teenage mindset. Like, sure, why not? And I was Also, a- I... Guess I haven't been to a lot of water parks, but is there a way to make yourself faster? That I was wondering that too. Like, is this like a test of skill, or is this just like I don't know, like forces beyond your control? I mean, apparently not behind beyond uh, Cobra Kai's control because I believe Kenny sabotages uh, Hawk's inner tube. Yeah, so I, I'm so confused about Kenny. Where it's like, do you actually think you're the best? In which case. Why are you sabotaging, or is it just about power for you? I think it's about just, he's, like, bought into Cobra Kai, like, heart and soul, and he will do anything to make them win because he's a member of Cobra Kai. And uh, you do get Robbie, like, trying to talk him out of, well, actually, yeah, like, again, I've always liked the Robbie-Kenny relationship, and there's this also this nice bit where, like, Robbie has not actually, like, told anybody officially, I guess, that he's out of Cobra Kai. Like, Kyler's, like, just talking about it, like, dude, he's not coming back. And you can see Kenny feels like, what? No. No, of course he's coming back. Like, he's been told Santa isn't real. And like, Yeah, it's like when somebody tries to leave a gang and, you know... And you just can't imagine, like, no, that that's not possible. And, like, when Robbie talks to him about it and tries, basically, to, like, pull Kenny out of Cobra Kai, I think Kenny's reaction is, like, pretty realistic, too, where he's just like, but you got me into this and now I'm a part of it and why would and I'm not being bullied anymore like what what are you talking about um and also I feel like maybe Robbie should have offered Kenny like some kind of alternative like and you can join my personal dojo or something Dress club is still taking applications yeah hey I mean do you ever wonder what happened to Sean Kenny's brother oh isn't he still he, in juvie still again time is a flat circle Nina possibly yeah. only three weeks have gone by sh- like are juvie sentences more than a year like I feel like Sean's been in juvie for like, three, first of all, he's 60. He's, <laughs> he's so like, old. There's no way. Also, it's like. Maybe they realize that he shouldn't be in juvie because he's may, like oh always God. been too old. What if he got upgraded to the same correctional facility as Crease? Oh my God. <laughs> There's so many spinoffs to be had here that I it's know. just, it's hard to keep track. God, keep us on track. All right. 
Um, um, yeah, so, like, Robbie's attempts to, like, rescue Kenny and Tori fail. Uh, and, you know, when Hawk loses the epic water slide race, which I love the epic music for this, which, again, I'm not even sure is, like, a contest of skill. Tori wins. Robbie loses. Robbie, like... Or, sorry, not Robbie. Shit. What's his name? Hawk. Hawk loses... Hawk has a deflated inner tube and accuses Cobra Kai of cheating and everybody's yelling, cheater, cheater. And there's like a nice like thing of, of Tori's face because she feels like a cheater on the inside, right? Even when it's not her fault. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then uh, Kenny, like Hawk, Hawk gets up in Kenny's face. They have a little fight. Uh, and I also liked that when it really seems like, man, Hawk is like so much better than Kenny, like Robbie like leaps up and like pushes Hawk into the, the water all very realistic, and then for no reason at all, Miguel just kind of gets up in like this Robbie's is what face. I mean about like every episode, they decide what will be most convenient for the plot, and he's the main character, or he's one of the main characters, and so they put him in these situations where I just don't feel like he's there. I mean, that's the thing is, I feel like mostly, I, I mostly think that Miguel's characterization is like pretty consistent. He's always been, as you said, like more mature than your average teenager. This, what he does here, like, he's pushing, um, he, he's, like, trying to fight with Robbie. Later on, like, he and Robbie have this really manufactured fight in the parking lot. Like, they can't, they want Miguel and Robbie to fight because they want to have an arc where they're trying to work out their issues. But, like, they're not doing it in a way that makes any sense. Like, I feel like there are things that Miguel could, like, yell at Robbie about. Like, for instance, like, hey, remember that time you paralyzed me and never apologized? <laughs> But instead they have him being like, you know, since I said you're not part of Cobra Kai, but every time I turn around, it seems like you're, you're like with them. And it's like, it really doesn't, Miguel. Like, that makes no sense. Yeah, Miguel, that's what we call displacement. Yeah. And like, what, what do you mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how many times have you been looking at Rob? Like, sometimes he talks to Tori, his ostensible girlfriend. But like, uh, yeah, so it's super confusing and super manufactured. And, like, also, Miguel has never really been, like, that, like, uptight about this rivalry in the first place. Like, yeah, it's they're just... at, I feel like the script notes are asking to channel the energy that he had at the Canyon Party. Remember when he was, like, yes. super jealous? And when he was, like, past. drunk and young. and Dark like Miguel. Yeah, and, like, he just, there's no reason for him to feel like that. So it is totally, like, out of nowhere and totally manufactured. Like, you compare that with, like, some of the other dynamics, and it's, like, yes, it's realistic that, like, Kenny would still be, like, holding a grudge against Anthony. But no, it's not... I mean, you could see these guys having a grudge against each other, but not for, like, bullshit like this. Um, oh, yeah. Also, Robbie basically ultimatums Tori. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. What a short-lived romance. That's what I mean. It's like, why couldn't you break up Sam and Miguel and leave it alone and have them be friendly exes and... And not constantly have these weird, awkward, like, will they or won't they interactions, nobody cares show. It's terrible. But with Robbie and Tori, they had this nice thing going, and then at the end of this episode, Robbie's basically like, Cobra Kai is really bad. Uh, If you're going to stay in it, then we can't be together. And like, I mean, that's such a seminal decision in every relationship. Like, do you care about me or the dojo? I know. It's happened to me all the time. It's happening with me. And they always pick the dojo. Right now, really. Inexplicably. Yeah, but like, I honestly, if some, if your boyfriend came up to you and was just like, you know, you have to do this thing or I'm going to break up with you, I almost feel like if you have any self respect, you'll be like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing the thing. I don't care if the thing is heroin. I hate being told what to do. I hate to defend Robbie. But what if the, you know, 
Robbie was like Robo Robbie. Like he went through a whole trauma arc. You know, he was semi hypnotized by Crease, manipulated, etc. So it feels like if he told all that to Tori, and she was still like, eh, "I need to get my workout in," it's a little cavalier. Well, a lot of the things. Okay, I get that nobody likes ultimatums, but you know. I think that, and this actually kind of gets towards, like, the, the third main plot of the show, which is, like, basically Cobra Kai machinations. And for me, and the show used to be more ambiguous about this, it has kind of gotten away from this and has gotten to just, like, Cobra Kai is evil, it is a cult, it makes you evil, play, like, plain and simple. But there's a certain, to me, like, isn't that easy to say? Like, oh, yeah, I, like, totally held down another teenager and forcibly shaved his head. But it wasn't me. It was Cobra Kai. That's what I really, if we can talk about uh, trends season to season, the thing that I find, um, I guess, disappointing, maybe this happened with the kind of switch from YouTube to Netflix. We talked about how big Netflix sort of, like, flatlines a little bit of the story and the nuance. This is one of those things where it's, like, season one... You actually could see the value in Cobra Kai. Yes. And even season two. And now it's just like you have them doing crazy things. You have like people like Kenny that are like completely brainwashed. And like even Hawk's like dark turn. In Which season. was just like, yeah. yeah. Like he went, he was breaking his friend's arm. I was like, I don't think it would make you do that. It might make you a bit more aggressive. I mean, like, for me, Kenny is probably the most realistic thing, yeah. which is a bullied person becomes a bully. And like, he doesn't forgive what's happened, to, like what, like what he suffered, honestly, at the hand of, hands of Anthony and his friends. That is realistic. Like some of the stuff where it's just like, and then you start breaking and entering people's homes. You start stealing medals, right? It's like, you know, laws still exist in this world. Yeah, that's on you, bro. That's not even. I can't blame the dojo for that. Right, exactly. And then like every bad thing that a person does, it's like, well, it was it was Cobra Kai that made me do it, and like. I understand Cobra Kai is a much more aggro philosophy than, like, maybe, like, you know, obviously Miyagi-Do. It has its flaws, but, like, when Johnny was in charge of it, there was this idea that, like, a certain type of kid will respond to this better than, like, they'll respond to the Miyagi-Do crap, right? And, I'm sorry, Miyagi-Do method. Yeah, you know how we talked a little bit about how um, we we get in Daniel's uh, storyline, but... Daniel needs, like, a great villain to feel like his life is meaningful. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if season six is, like, the valley has been purged of all dojos. There's a ban on karate. So it's like a dojo dystopia, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, after a while, Johnny is, like, busy being a parent. You know, his mind is off karate. Chris is, you know, back in Panama. Probably (laughs) fighting in another war there, I suppose. Terry Silver is picking up one of his many charitable initiatives. But you see Daniel just... Continuing his downward spiral because there's <laughs> nothing, truly nothing. And he does, he, that's the thing. It's like, I think the show recognized in earlier seasons that, yes, this is a character flaw, quirk in Daniel that he has to, like, look at his life as being, like, an underdog hero facing off with an ultimate villain. And I kind of hate that, like, this, like, I mean, this plot, like, which is basically, do you want to summarize it? I don't even know. Yeah, uh, so Daniel and Chosen are doing what they do all goddamn day, <laughs> which is... Just plotting. Pretend to plot, pace back and forth. Come up with no actual things that they're going to do, but just, I like, mean, wonder... it opens, like, I almost want to say they're in on it because the writers, because Daniel's just, they call it Downward Spiral, and he's spiraling, he's opening the episode watching security footage 
of like Mike Barnes. How did he get that footage? That's that's a I question. Know, I know Mike Barnes didn't give it to him. Poor Mike Barnes right. is probably like in therapy right now. And they're wondering like, oh, well, I mean, he burnt down Mike Barnes' furniture store. Why hasn't he struck against Daniel? Which is something I wondered as well. And apparently Mike Barnes, like, well, chosen like wisely is like, maybe he'll want to fight with us now. Like, Daniel's like, I don't even think Mike Barnes connected it with Terry Silver, which was kind of like, really? Your furniture store burns down right after, like, you give somebody information about yeah, Terry Silver? Yeah, Daniel unusual Whatever. Um, Amanda is dressed to the nines, an amazing dress. Um, she comes in, and Daniel takes a momentary pause from plotting. His, like, summer-long plotting, be like, huh, not bad. Gives her some lukewarm compliment. Chosen says he feels underdressed, which I thought is a masterstroke, and being like, hey, what about a new wardrobe, you know, mm. to help me fit in more? Right, like, so I, I can blend he, in and I protect you guys a, better. I a secret spy. You got probably a new gi right. out of the whole thing. Ch- Grifter Chosen is the best Chosen. Now he's angling for, like, a better couch to sleep mm, on. He already got that, That's friend. True. Who do you um, think paid for that shit? Mm-hmm. And, uh... Just, I, hats off to you, sir. Right, and, like, Daniel charges him with protecting the manse while they're gone at this charity function. Amanda hardly even, like, acknowledges Chosen. She's, she's like, you're like a ghostly Ottoman. Right. I don't know why you're here exactly, but okay. I put up with a lot of weird shit in this marriage. Yeah. Um... So the charity auction, which is for, what is it called? Like, Dreams um, for Teens? Yeah, it's nothing bullshit. Underprivileged um, children? Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? It actually seems like exactly the kind of thing Daniel would. Well, it's Amanda actually wants to be on the board, which, okay, sure. Um, and of course, oh my gosh, where is this thing taking place? What rich person's backyard was donated for this event? Why? His car has the license plate Quicksilver. Nice touch. I know. Um... Yeah, so Terry... I feel like the car itself is a little ostentatious for, you know, billionaire Terry Silver. I feel like he'd have, like, maybe just, you know, smooth jack. But this is maybe just one of his many The man is not new money, you guys. Like, he... I think he'd have a bit of restraint. Yeah, that that car screams, like, midlife crisis, mobile. You know, I don't... I think better of Terry Silver. I mean, isn't Cobra Kai kind of his midlife crisis, basically? No, he's there to help children i mean yeah well of course he silvers about like delivering lots of double entendres to daniel smooth he walks right up to daniel and amanda and he goes just time flies and they you know the old sparkles back in his eye Mm -hmm. he's on coke again guys he's back on coke or Um, off his meds I, i really don't know what they're doing here but like he he does the night this thing where like he like you know, is delivering like vicious double entendres to and Daniel, a but is in Daniel's face kind of like when you go to a party and you don't even realize your crush is going to be there, and then there they are, and you're like, "Oh my god, do I look okay?" Wow, you're shipping it hard. <laughs> that is the exact energy I got. And then you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend's like, "Hey, why are you suddenly acting so weird?" Oh well, yeah, I mean, that was the energy, guys. A little bit, a little bit. Can't deny that. Uh, I guess Terry Silver just has sexual chemistry with everyone, Maybe. right? Um, um, he talks to Amanda, like, you know, one-on-one a bit, and he does the thing, he, he is able to act like a, a normal, like, sane person from time to time, which is, again, I don't really understand Terry Silver's character at all. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know what he wants, I don't know what his motivations are. He's here for the mind games. I guess, because he's, you know, when he talks to Amanda, you know, he apologizes for, for, like, his past with Daniel. He also apologizes for Crease. 
it's a shame what Vietnam did to his mind. Yeah. Cold. Cold. I, mean, yeah. I love it. Um, and Amanda is, is a bit like, you know, more in like classic Amanda form. She's like, you know, Daniel thinks you're here to enact the next phase of your karate super plan. Does that sound stupid? Yes, it does when she says it like that. And so I was kind of hoping that the episode wouldn't go down like this, but this is in fact the next phase of his karate super plan. I do plan. love their interaction. He offers her a 23 Ober and, you know, it's a little bit more complicated of a wine than what their bar is serving. Beautiful. And she takes a sip and she agrees it's very nice. And in an alternate and honestly more fair universe, poor Mando would not be burning the midnight oil at the dealership. And then maybe getting to wear that amazing dress just like me once every 10 years with Daniel allows So in your, your optimal universe, she's just snorting coke with silver constantly? I think she's in a complicated triad, kind oh, of a Christina Barcelona situation. Oh, taking it back in two thousand three. Wow, uh, or two thousand eight. Cut. <laughs> They're in a modern relationship. She silver and yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. They all get so modern. From each other. So yeah. modern. Sun is uh. open. Um. Anyway, <laughs> another spinoff. <laughs> they talk. About I love when they bond and laugh over Daniel's insanity. Well, yeah, and like Silver mentions, that. like, yeah, you know, he didn't really need to send his man to beat up my recruits, which did kind of happen. That was artful, because you know what? Silver's not the one concealing stuff no. from Amanda. That's Daniel. He's just shining a light on things she needs to know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like, so then, Dan, like, when the auction begins, he's, like, ready to auction off these stupid bonsais. Uh, of course. Did you, were you surprised or was that exactly what you thought he would auction off? What else would it be? Right. I love, what if he was just like using every one of these fundraisers to like give away more of Miyagi stuff? I mean, know he'd never <laughs> part with it. And it's like, maybe you'll be forced to do that once you lose the dealership. You know, mm-hmm. pawn shop guy is shine. Yeah. Man, um... Of course, Silver buys those bonsais for $30,000 and then, like, under his voice, threatens to turn them into mulch. And I see why you love him so much, you know? He also offers karate classes to low-income teens, which we've been saying since, like, season one. Like, that's sort of a great thing. You're you're in line with the mission of this, whatever, non-profit. Mm -hmm. And you're giving a skill. You're giving something tangible. You're not hawking bonsai. Right. And... See, the point of this episode, like, when, uh, oh, and, and his piece de resistance is like, oh, yeah, like, he's talking to the head of the charity about Amanda, Daniel overhears him saying something about Amanda, and, you know, immediately, it, like, is like, what'd you say to her? What'd you say to her? Silver's like, oh, well, I told her that your wife is deceitful and manipulative and a terrible person. And, like, Daniel, like, starts a little fight with him and pushes him into the bonsais. And when he's confronted, it turns out Terry was just telling that woman that Amanda was respected by the community. It's almost like Daniel's never watched a sitcom plot in, like, the last 50 years where... I don't know if it's that he's dumb or that naive, but it's like, on one hand, he thinks, like, Terry Silver is a mastermind and psychological like manipulator and yet he doesn't think of this like very obvious yes (laughs) this sitcom plot and it's just sort of like so daniel is like telling amanda pleading with her because she's of course lost her spot in this charity board because this is a sitcom sure um he's like you know this is this is silver he was manipulating us so that we would fight and the thing is it's like 
This episode kind of works better if you just think of Daniel as just growing increasingly unhinged. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the truth is he's absolutely right. Silver did engineer all this. And, like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if, like, Silver was just, like, living his life and Daniel was the one who was spinning his wheels? I really thought the first time we watched the season that, you know, I maybe gave them too much credit. I really thought that's where they were going with this. Because you see that scene when he's pacing around the living room with Chosen and Mm -hmm. he's wearing that hideous it's a light blue suit suit. yeah not a great suit um you can tell that like terry silver's bringing the fashion looks great with amanda i'm just Mm -hmm. saying but his energy there is like so jittery it's like he's either had too much coffee or coffee with maybe a little something yeah you know it's like he's the one who's fallen down the drug binge right and silver is supremely in control yeah and like the thing is it's like i love that for daniel as a plot arc yes he should be in a downward spiral it's more interesting than him being right about everything like i said this like god years ago when we're watching like season one it's clear that he's the one who's like getting nutty about johnny starting a dojo and like trying to sabotage his rent and you look at that, and, and I think the show wants you to look at that and be like, this guy's gone too far, he's going around the bend. Now the show's almost like, see, Daniel is being set up by evil, evil silver for everything. And like, you they know... They want it both ways, they really do. They want to explore that darker side of Daniel. But they don't they want don't... him to go far enough. Yeah, and it actually leaves us in a very confused place. Yes. Especially when it comes to that fight, fight with Amanda, which I thought was great, and it would have set up perfectly the divorce arc that i've been rooting for dreaming of really but it's like she's had enough she calls out chosen she calls out all the lies Mm -hmm. and i wish she had chose like um thrown out the fact that he's a little like e-flirtation with kumiko that's gonna come out (laughs) right that weird trip to okinawa for no reason like the thing is she's got like legitimate grievances but this is basically her getting mad about something that was orchestrated by silver so in the end daniel is an innocent man in the right which drives me crazy because it's like no he like oh man and i'm, yeah, I'm he, he condescends to her so much in this episode where he's like you need to leave it to me and chosen this fucking grifter from Oklahoma. right yeah you guys are doing a lot there like you did no background check on him Ugh. he tried to kill kumiko i know right like and why is, like, Terry Silver somehow irredeemable? And, I mean, that's the thing. The show is, like, yep, he's irredeemable. He's a terrible person. Like, And Daniel was, like, to Chosen, almost like he's a guard dog. He's like, keep an eye on the dealership and the home. And it's like, Chosen is watching 90 reruns of 90 Day Fiance. And drinking he's, Yoo-Hoo, he's I should mention. He's not doing a goddamn thing oh, man. Grifter Chosen. <laughs> I, I do like that. I know. And he feels underdressed because, you know what? Maybe he's going to get some, like, diamond... Tommy Bahama shirts or whatever. I think he needs more from the LaRussos, more than what they're giving him. I mean, yeah, it's weird. It's just, you know, you were saying about, like, the low-income students, like, get or low-income kids, like, will get karate classes for free. That is actually a great offer, something, like, that could honestly change the lives of a lot of kids. But, of course, we're supposed to, like, be like, oh, that well, but it's an evil Cobra Kai, so they're just turning into soldiers for Cobra Kai. The overall mission of the show is is to say, you know, you should be suspicious of corporate philanthropy efforts. I'm supportive of that. Sure. Absolutely. Do I feel like Daniel is also, like, a dickhead for trying to give away bonsais at this thing? Just give him money. Like, don't even have this dumb... I get that they have to do, like, dumb rich person auctions to even get people to show up to this thing, but also, sometimes I'm like, just cut a check and go home to your mansion. I mean... That's a good angle to take, like, corporate philanthropy. What does this mean? And I do remember when Miyagi-Do 
like first started, they gave lessons for free because Johnny, or sorry, Daniel was just trying to like drive Cobra Kai run by Johnny bankrupt, which I think is interesting too. Um, but we're just kind of supposed to like, I don't know, we're supposed to take it face value now that Daniel's like always the good guy and Terry Silver is always legitimately trying to undermine him. And that's just kind of more boring than the yeah, idea like, of Daniel just going nuts. They could have done a really, I know they were like, okay, maybe it's more feasible for Mike Barnes to have turned his life around like Terry Silver is the villain from Karate Kid Part 3 but honestly the kind of the confusion and sort of the hints that when they first entered his character in the mansion like is he having a good time at the swanky party or is he tortured inside is he looking for meaning and he needs his friendship like that was a complicated picture and now it's like... It's all too complicated I don't yeah. quite I really just at any given time I have no idea what is going on with Silver. I almost wish they had just established at some point that he used to be on some medication that he stopped taking. Does he still run Dynatox? Did he sell it? <laughs> what so, is going on? It's very weird that we've heard so little about Dynatox. Um, the other thing I was thinking is like, if we're looking at character motivations, is that Terry Silver is like living his life, great at everything, but there are certain people from his past, that cocaine past, Daniel and Kreese, that trigger him. And, like, he can't help but fuck with them when he's in their, like, orbit. To be totally honest, though, like, Kreese should definitely trigger him because they have, like, a hugely complicated history. I don't really know why. What what would he have against Daniel? Daniel doesn't really do anything to him. It's that bully energy. It's like when Kyler ever sees, you know. Man, Kyler should be the villain of, like, a a series like this in 20 years. somebody's head in toilet or something. You know, it's like. I guess, yeah, sure. I could see that. It's just that he works so hard at it. The thing is, Terry Silver was also kind of, like, the weak, bullied kid in the army, so... But, like... Okay. I'm trying to make it make sense. I know, I know, I know, and I'm just, like, pushing back against your vain attempts to actually just unify this this, this theory of Silver, but it's like, okay, Kenny's still mad at Anthony and pushes him in the pool, right? That's one thing. Kenny devising, like, a crazy plot and being like, oh, so Anthony's applying to this college? I'll apply, too, and be in the dorm next to... It's a little bit, like... What? Honestly, I can see Kenny doing that. Like, <laughs> Kenny has no friends, no... Nobody he has to, like, Kyler. snap at I know, and that worries me. Because at some point, Kyler is probably going to pay somebody to take his SATs, and he's going to go to Stanford, and he's going to leave Kenny alone with his, like, machinations. It's true. Kenny. I mean, Kenny's machinations, if this show really is nobody yeah they will definitely follow suit with silvers and become like increasingly complicated because just like this whole charity thing it's like okay so assuming that this is like actually a thing you did to fuck with daniel which it seems like you had to find out which charities his wife was interested in and start making donations ingratiate yourself with the head of the board such that she might ask your opinion on new members what i admire is that level of commitment you know Daniel has all these ideas and plots, but he's so lazy, you know? Like, he could use a dealership. Like, he just doesn't put any effort. He even outsources his spy work to Chosen. Of all people. Like, you're consumed with this passion, this rage. You would think he would be the one, like, you know, spending all hours a night scanning security footage. It's true, and Chosen... I believe, is a, a Japanese businessman. He's not a ninja, you racist. Like, what? what why would he be better yeah, at spying we, on we, your enemies? We've hinted at Daniel being like, you're Asian. <laughs> you seem like you'd be good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We have roasted Daniel right? for a while. 
But so satisfying to see finally Amanda like have some genuine anger. If only no, that if only it wasn't from a place no, where it's like soon do. she will realize that she was wrong all along and that Daniel was truly hunted. If, if anyone in the writers' room listens to our podcast, <laughs> I'm positive they don't. This is the only thing I want. I'll put aside everything else. Fine. Don't give me the silver Amanda crease. Um, French relationship. Menage a trois. Menage a trois, whatever. Uh, fine. Don't give me that. But give me the divorce. Make it final. Have her drive off into the sunset. Just wearing the dress. Maybe in silver's red car matches. Oh my god. That'd be great. You know, I'm not asking for that kind of a pipe dream. I, I just want Daniel to be wrong. Like, lean into it. Let it happen. Yeah, that is... When you put it like that, it's actually really shocking that, like, Johnny has... He's at the point in the show where he's openly admitting that he was wrong. He apologizes to Robbie. He apologizes to Shannon. He says, like... The most beautiful words in the English language, I'm sorry I sucked. That's all I want for Daniel. Not, like... Look, he doesn't have to be, like, living in an alley or something by the end of this show, but, like, there has to be a moment. Do you feel like that'll ever come where he's like he just gathers his friends and enemies and family and he was like i was wrong and he like falls on the bonsai (laughs) oh my god dark (laughs) (laughs) i I think that the show i mean there was like a moment earlier in the show like in the first or second season when you know there was this idea that like sometimes daniel's wrong about things but i think we've gotten further away from that daniel's always right when he says that you're an evil villain plotting his demise, he's right. It's true. Yeah, and it wouldn't be so unbearable if he wasn't so goddamn condescending about it. Yeah. You know, I would just be leaving those Okinawa flight receipts and drink bills all over the house as reminders. I would be leaving probably Chosen's dry cleaning bills. <laughs> I would just be reading him to filth for all of the shit that he's done. And, you know, is he ever at their dealership, or is he busy plotting against, like, a businessman with his Japanese grifter buddy? The fact that that's never been mentioned at all is is interesting. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. What a journey. Okay. Ratings. Ratings. Oh, man. I'm going to give it three out of five. I don't know. Like, it infuriated me, but... Like, especially the the Daniel-Silver interactions, which should have been fun, but, like, just the fact that Daniel was right just infuriated me. But, like, I actually did like some of the teen stuff. I did like the Johnny plot, you know. Um, I'm going to give it three out of five episodes of 90 Day Fiancé. Nice. Um, I'm going to say teen stuff super didn't work for me. I wanted to mute all of the scenes with Miguel and... Sam, especially mad because Miguel is one of my favorite characters, and now it's just she's like, bringing him down. I'm feeling reflexively irritated because I just know his scenes are going to be tied to Sam's scenes, yeah. and it's just a no go. I thought the teen stuff just didn't make any sense. Um, Johnny, fun montages, but really the highlight for me was his charity benefit. Just Terry Silver fucking with Daniel. I could watch hours of that. <laughs> <laughs> Do I betray my biases? Perhaps so. So I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5 2013 complicated wines. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's a little complicated. A little bit. Okay, so we... 
I think we had different ideas about that plot of the episode, but I understand that you're sort of like a, a single issue voter, you know? It's all I gave about. the last episode four out of five. It's all about so Terry Silver fucking with people for you. And I respect that. I respect that integrity. <laughs> okay. Strike first. Strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy. More slow motion. <laughs> Roboting.